So I was born in Salinas, California, uh, July 7th, 1976. Um, and uh, my mom was 17 when she had me. So, and uh, she had my brother too, which is about a year and a half younger. And uh, shortly after my, my mom and dad split up and we moved up here to Oregon. Uh, my childhood, you know, um, growing up for the most part, the most part was, uh, you know, it was it was pretty good in my younger childhood. Um, my mom had some boyfriends and stuff growing up, kind of a lot of different guys. There was one guy that kind of played a, you know, key in my fatherhood, I guess, at a young age and stuff. And you know, we did a lot of stuff, and my mom and him ended up separating. So there was some things I probably held against against her for that, you know. And, uh, but, uh, you know, my mom worked in a bar as I, as we got older, my mom worked in a bar. She was, she was never home. So, uh, I kind of had free run of the house and stuff. And there was just me and my brother and she'd go off to the bar and I'd, I'd get to do whatever I wanted. You know, I could do whatever I wanted. Eventually, you know, um, you know, when I was a kid, I used to like trading baseball cards and stuff, trading with Aaron and some other kids around and stuff, but as I got older, I got into, uh, you know, just not having that father figure. I'd see, we'd go to the games and stuff, and I'd see a lot of, you know, people. I'd go with other people's parents. My mom was never there, so she never got to see me play football or none of that stuff, which was which was tough, you know. It was uh, tough not having a dad and stuff, and so I eventually turned to drugs and alcohol and, you know, anger, and that was, uh, you know, a big, a big thing in my life at the time, um, you know, and, uh, so eventually that lifestyle and, you know, just my, my family, my uncles and stuff, they were, they were into drugs and, you know, gangs and that, that type of stuff, you know, uh, and so I grew up around that lifestyle a little bit and, and, uh, it just, it just kind of set me on, set me on that path and, you know, and then, uh, and then, uh, you know, I, there was, I was, I, I got to tell you how I met Leander. Sorry, I'm kind of getting sidetracked a little bit here. <laughs> but um, so anyways, after I had went to prison, I'd done some time in prison for drugs and alcohol. I had got out and uh, I'd got a job and stuff. And, you know, I started working, started doing what I'm doing now. I build steel buildings and stuff. But um, Corey Engel, I got, I got Corey on with me, and me and Corey used to go fishing a lot. I mean, every day we'd go fishing. That's what we'd do. If we didn't go to work, we'd go fishing. And, and one weekend, we're heading out to the lake. We're going to the lake, and we're going to take the parasails out, which we absolutely do not know how to use, you know. So we take those out there and stuff. And he's like, hey, hold on. I told my dad, uh, you know, I'd pick up my sister, and she could hang with me for the weekend. And I was like, you have a sister? And he's like, Yeah. And I was like, why didn't I know about this? And so we picked her up, and she come out, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, dude, your sister's hot, you know? And, uh, and he's like, don't even think about it, you know? He's like, no, she's not, nothing, no, don't even think about it. He's like, she's 17. I was like, well, once she turn 18, you know? And uh, so anyways, uh, so we go out to the lake and stuff, and, and she's out there, and, you know, she's uh, younger than most of us, and Corey ends up just ditching her with me, you know? And uh, he takes off and stuff. So she had to be just frightened, you know, about a, around a bunch of drunk Neanderthals, you know, and, uh, and stuff. And so anyways, uh, she makes it through the night somehow. I don't, I don't really remember. But uh, the next day we drop her off and, you know, at her house and stuff. And then, you know, we kind of just go our 
separate ways. But every time I would see Corey, I'd be like, so how's your sister doing, you know? <laughs> it just kind of just nudging him a little bit and stuff. And uh, so it was, about, it was about five years later. Um, it was New Year's, and we went to a New Year's, New Year's Eve party. And I seen her there. She was wearing this little green, like, silk shirt and thing. And you know? she was just looked awesome, just super amazing. And so I went, I went over, you know, I went over and I started talking to her. And then the next, uh, the next weekend, you know, we went out on a date and stuff. And, you know, she couldn't resist me because we ended up getting married about a year later. <laughs> so uh, if, if, she'd, if she'd have known now what we went through, she might, you know, she might have just ran for the hills and took off. Um, but that kind of leads me in the next, you know, into the next kind of part of our life where after we got married, you know, things, things went pretty good for the first year. And then um, they went all right, you know. And then we decided to, you know, we, she's pregnant now. A year later, she's pregnant. Um, we buy a fixer-upper, you know, and, and we start our own company. So we pick like three like major things that you probably shouldn't do in your first year of marriage. You know, we did it all at once. And... Uh, you know, so uh, I'm working on the road a lot, and and I'd come home, and uh, I just get I just get angry real easy. Anger's always been a tool, a tool of mine. Um, I guess it's anger, bullying, just pushing people around. The voice, the fear, my size can you know it just it was just a tool I used to control her and to get her to do things that you know I wanted her to do. You know, I could I could come home and. I could see something not right, the dishes not done, whatever it was, and I could just get angry, and I would get so angry and so mad, and I would yell, and I would use my voice, and she would just cower down because she was so scared. I never, I never hit her. <clears throat> I didn't have to, excuse me, um, because there was the threat of what if I did? What if I did hit her? I mean, what would happen? You know, I mean, I got so mad. There was so much rage, and there was so much anger. And there was such a fear in her that I didn't have to do nothing because it was there. It was there. It would instill that fear in her. Well, if I don't do what he says, what if this is the time that sends him over the edge that he just knocks me around, you know? And uh, so, you know, this went, this went on for about a year and a half, a couple years. And uh, I just, we just ran our whole house like this. I just, I took her for granted in everything where if it didn't go my way and things weren't done my way, she wasn't loving me and I wasn't being loved properly because I thought love existed in my pleasure and me being happy. And I thought that if, if I didn't get what I was wanting, if things weren't going my way, I wasn't being loved. Therefore, I didn't, I didn't know how to love. I didn't even know what love was. She ended up, she ended up leaving me. Um, she left me, and I was, I was over at my cousin Donald's house, and I guess I got a hold of Kevin. I thought Kevin had called me for some reason, but Kevin kind of informed me that I, I called him, and he asked what I was doing. I was like, "Well, I'm getting ready to go to the bar." You know, my wife loved me, and I, you know, that's what that's what I do. I just go out and find someone else so I can get over this, you know, this hurt, this pain that I'm feeling, you know, and he's like, hey, why don't you just, just, just don't do that, he's like, tomorrow we have a, we have a Wednesday night, a Wednesday night uh, thing going at the church, he's like, why don't you just come there, he's just like, just go in and sleep and just come there, and when I came here, I, I sat in the back, I think it was right back over there, and it was dark, they had the lights down, 
And every word on that screen, it's like every word was for me. Every one of them. And then Rory asks, is there anyone here who just is sick of just living how they've been living, just needs help? And that was me. I mean, everything was for me. So I raised my hand. And uh, a lot of the guys prayed here for me. And then we went to uh, the men's retreat out in, I think, Subtle Lake. Subtle Lake. And then we went there, and it was just like, man, that whole weekend, I was like a giant baby. I'm worse than I am now. So it was just, I just couldn't keep it together at all. My wife had left me. You know, my kids were gone. It was, it was worse than any place I had ever been. It was worse than being in prison. It was worse than being in juvenile detentions. It was worse than just being stranded in the worst parts of Los Angeles, Florida, every place that I've been, it was worse and it was scarier for me. That stuff I could deal with. This I couldn't. I couldn't deal with my wife and children being gone. It was just too much. So the next few days, I was at my table and I would read and I would pray for 16, 18 hours a day, just nonstop. I'd get up and I'd read the Bible and I'd read. And through it, God had showed me how to love and how screwed up I was and my thoughts of what love was and my thoughts of what it was supposed to be. I had no idea what love meant. I had a distorted, twisted, warped point of view. And I went through the Bible, and as I read, I just seen all this stuff, and I realized all them times I came home, and I seen my favorite cast iron skillet washed, and I'd throw a fit and throw stuff across the house, and just, you know, why would you do this? You know, I wasn't loving her. Not one time did I tell her, you know what, babe, I don't care about that skillet. I don't care about that shirt. All I care about is you, and I never, never told her that. Not once that whole time. She had no idea that I even cared about her. I didn't even know if I did. After reading how much Jesus had loved us, and there's, there's a part in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Everyone probably knows it, but I'm just going to read it real quick so I can kind of collect my thoughts. Uh, but it says in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men, and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. I didn't have that. I thought I had everything. I thought I was on top of the world, had this company that was doing great. I had people that listened to me. They did everything I asked them to. And then I'd come home, and I didn't have nothing for my wife. I had nothing whatsoever. Uh, I got five kids. I got Hope, Astrid story. And then I got the boys, Gage and Colton and Samara. And Samara's just awesome. <laughs> She's, yeah. Anyways, I absolutely love my family and what they've put up through for me. They've, they've went through a lot of the same stuff that I put my wife through. They were there watching the whole thing as their mom couldn't defend themselves against my, my, my voice and my wrath. That I, uh, so, yeah, I was, I was a sinner and I still am. And it's tough. 
And I look back now through my life, and there's so many times where God's actually been there, and I had no clue, no clue whatsoever. In my drug addiction, I had reached the point where, you know, I was a junkie. And uh, I remember uh, looking back now, I know what it is. You know, I thought, yeah, I, I thought I quit doing drugs, you know, but 16, 16 years ago, I thought, yeah, I did this on my own. But I look back now, and that last time I got high, when I looked in the mirror, there was a voice in my head that said, Jesse, if you don't quit doing drugs right now, you will never quit the rest of your life. And then a flash of all these horrible pictures of where I could be, it went through. And that was the last time I'd run drugs. And I didn't even notice that that was God's hand in my life until just a couple years ago when I started seeing all the other things he's done for me in my life where he's brought me exactly where I am today, where I put myself in these horrible, horrible, bad positions and he has brought me out of every one of them. Every one of them. He has been there faithfully through me my whole life. And I know he will be again to this day. I know that there is nothing our marriage can't endure, that my life cannot endure if Christ is the center of my life. It's not my wife, it's not my kids, it's not you guys, it's Christ becoming the center of my life. If I, if, if I seek him, he will make everything, he'll make everything work out. It's just exactly how it's supposed to. And I couldn't do it on my own. I tried for too many years. And, uh, it's not like we don't still have problems. Just, just the, just about a month and a half ago, you know, we had some problems, and uh, man, uh, yeah, he was he was testing me pretty good. <laughs> uh, it was it was one of the things we just we got in an argument, and man, I was just being so stubborn. I was being so stubborn. I talked to Adam and I talked to Aaron. I was just being stubborn. I knew. What I was supposed to do, I knew I just needed to pray and I needed to ask God for his help, but I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I had a right to be mad. I wanted to be mad. This is where I was. I want to be mad. And so I slept on the couch for a couple of days and didn't say a word to my wife. And every time she walked in the room, I just I could just hear it. Just just say you're sorry and you love her. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. She's going to know I'm mad. And I was just wrestling with it. I was wrestling with wanting to be angry. That's what I've done for so many years of my life. I've been angry. I've used anger as my tool to manipulate, warp, do whatever I, whatever I did. Whatever the situation was, that's what I used. It was the anger. And it worked. And I just wanted to be angry. And I just got that flood again of where my life would be if given over to myself and, and went down that same path. And I wouldn't have my kids I wouldn't have my wife. I wouldn't have you guys. I, I would lose everything. And most important of all, if I, if I walk away from Christ, I'm going to end up right where I was again, or worse. And it hurts when God reigns you in. Because now I'm a part of his kingdom. He wants me here. He's going to do. He's going he's to reign me in. And when, it, when he does, it's going to hurt. And I don't want to be broken again like I was. So I do have a fear but I also have a love and a hope, and I do not want to go down that path again. And uh, I don't know if I took enough time. <laughs> so, so um, here's my. She could tell you that what really happened. So. <laughs> no. 
is hot in these lights. <laughs> so, um, just so you know, I have never really spoke in front of people. So, um, um, God is definitely with me right now because I am pretty peaceful about it. So, um, <laughs> I um, just was going to give you a quick background on my childhood. I just. Um, I was um, from a divorced family from very young, I, um, but I was raised in church, um, went to church with my dad at the Nazarene and then with my grandma at the Baptist, so I have Nazarene Baptist blood in me. Um, I had, I had a, a, a happy childhood and I had a, I had a good, strong relationship with God. Um, being from a broken home, he was always there for me. So. Um, I actually kind of walked away from God after high school and just, um, let the world kind of consume me. Um, and you heard the very lovely story of how Jesse and I met. So, um, <laughs> um, and, um, <laughs> this is very close. Yeah, very close. And and just so you know, he was my knight in shining armor that night when I was out there by myself. So, um, so um, we did get married very quickly, um, within a year. And like he said, the um, the first year was good, just kind of playing house and going to church and playing the part. And then it just um, started to get rocky after that. Him working out of town me home by myself a lot with the kids and um it it was it was a, a rough um few years and then um it just boiled to the point where where I felt like there was nothing left for us nothing left that I could do in our marriage so I left and um I, when I left I I had no um reservations about well, maybe we could work it out later. Or I, um, I was, I was very positive that it, that this that it wouldn't work out, and um, I was um, also very positive that he would, like he said, like he wanted to go to the bar. I, I that's what I assumed he would do. Um, so I, I just left it at that, and then, um, I. Um, started getting calls from him and he was not the same person and he was crying all the time and wanting to pray with me and and I was wondering what in the world had happened to him <laughs> I was, I was uh, thinking he was just going through a stage of grief or I I didn't know what to think of it and um the 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 one thing that did strike me was that every time we came into contact. He wanted to pray, and um, I was I was a little resistant because I felt like it wasn't genuine. I felt like he was just trying to to win me back in a way. So um, it took me some time to see that he that God was working on his heart, that he was understanding um, how to love, and um, the. The um, next step for me, though, was I, I didn't know how I was going to get past 
everything that had happened in our marriage the last four years, those last four years, I didn't know um, how I could forget about all the pain and everything that we went through. And um, <clears throat> at the time, I didn't, I didn't realize it, <clears throat> and I didn't, I didn't really ask for it. But God had, in a way, He had um, instantly healed my heart. I just, I can look back. It's almost been three years now, and I can look back, and, and I don't hold any resentment. I don't hold any pain about how our marriage was. I don't hold any anything against my husband. We can have a fight that would have been almost exactly like a fight we would have had before, and it doesn't bring up old feelings or or anything, and, and that is that is that is completely God working a miracle on my heart. And I, um, I never, I never saw that in the midst of it, but I can see that now. Um, and you know, some of the things that, that God has also blessed me with is just this church and, and, and you guys, I just, um, I can't even express how much, you know, being a part of the home groups and, um, all of the women's ministries, it's just brought me further than I'd ever think I could go, um, especially standing here right now <laughs> talking to you guys. Um, but um, just, you know, as I was explaining how Jesse would pray every time, and I, and I was put off by that at first, that is something that we have, we have continued to do. We, we will, I mean... We're not always on top of it, but that is what I would say is the one thing that is keeping us um, in line with God and with each other is just being able to pray, even if it's the silliest prayer you've ever, or the most awkward prayer you've ever said. And, you know, it, it's, um, it's really powerful prayers. And um, when... Um, I went to the women's retreat. It would would have been two years ago. Um, that was when I was pregnant with Samara, and which um, is she's a miracle too. Um, um, we did a, a timeline of our lives and just kind of where we were at in our lives. And and I had had a verse that had came to me then that I want to share with you. It's um, Romans twelve twelve. It's be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And I just um, feel like that's a, a really good um, verse to remember when, when you feel like you don't have hope. So, so is that enough time? <laughs> There's uh, actually one thing I kind of forgot um, when we had <laughs> when we when we had went to a, a a Christian marriage counselor and Ben he told he told me a really interesting statistic he said basically one uh, you know one in every two marriages end in divorce and one in every two marriages in a church actually end in divorce too that the rate's the same he said but he, he said only one in 1,172 uh, Christian couples that pray every night together will end up in divorce. 
And I, I just thought that st statistic is huge. Only one. I was like, I want to be one of those 1,172. And we don't pray every night, but we pray, we pray a lot of the nights together. You know, and I, I just think that's so huge. And it's been such a huge thing because it allows me to hear what's on my wife's heart and for her to hear what's on what's on mine. And it just it just opens us up when we invite God into our relationship and put him at the center of it. Just it opens us up. And I mean, to do something that takes a couple minutes like praying, I, I think I think your spouse is worth it. I know mine is. And it's just it's only a couple minutes, man. And it's huge. And uh, I totally forgot that. And I don't know why I did, but obviously I didn't forget it because I'm here. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse and Leandra. And that was uh, that was definitely encouraging. I've I've had the pleasure of getting to hear uh, a lot of uh, Jesse and Leandra's testimony before. Uh, but uh, that is an amazing statistic. One in 1,172 marriages where, where the couple prays together, stay together. That is, uh, but that shouldn't surprise us, should it? I mean, if, if that's the case, that is, uh, that's amazing. So, um, Ken, did you want to, uh, to come up now? Is now a good time? All right, why don't you go ahead and come on up? Yeah, can, can boxes like me? <laughs> All right, I guess I'm ready. Testimony time. <laughs> How's everybody doing tonight? Good. You know, just after this past week with the fasting, the meetings that we had here three times a day and, and all that, it's amazing how fast God will work in times. And I just, you know, I, I remember all week, everybody talking about how we're family. We're brothers and sisters with each other. And with that being said, I'm, I'm coming to you right now. I've shared with Aaron a little bit tonight. Some of you know what's going on in our lives. <coughs> Excuse me. I really didn't think that God would start working this quick in our lives after, after a fast. But... Uh, you know, we've been praying, my wife and I, this, this past week, individually, collectively, and I know it as a church group also, that we want God to work mightily in our individual lives and church-wise. And, you know, the fast was great, you know, I was praying to God, you know, I really, you know, want you to, to do what you, what you need to do in our lives and all, and, you know, went on about my business Monday thinking on another week and stuff. I got a call Monday afternoon from a guy that I've talked many times before in the past about, you know, he wants me to work with him and this and that and other. But he offered me a job Monday afternoon as a, a manager of a tower, something I've never done in my life, period. I've always just been one of the line controllers talking to airplanes and, and that's it. But he's offered me a job in Guernsey, Wyoming, population 1,144. It's a big town. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's been intriguing because as soon as he talked, said that to me, I'm like, well, first off, you know, Paul is going to say, bye-bye, see, you know, I'll talk to you whenever I can and all because it's in Guernsey, Wyoming, population 1,144. <laughs> and uh, 
So I got to talking to her about it on the phone and, and stuff like that. And uh, she's like, you know, just, hey, let's, you know, see what God has in store, what to do with it. And I'm like, okay, you are you really who I think you are or what, you know? But uh, the reason I'm up here right now is we're coming to you as brothers and sisters in Christ, as family here at Calvary Chapel, Crook County. And we're asking you to be in prayer for us. The guy's pretty much given me a deadline of, you know, when when he needs an answer by me. But I, I told him point blank, I said, in God's, God's time and you'll get the answer. Because that's what we're doing. We're putting it in God's hand. Don't think that we're just wanting to up and leave here and yada, yada, yada. Because anybody that knows us knows that we absolutely love this place. I've got a brother sitting right over there from another mother who wears the same black and gold. I even got another family here I think is trying to join the clan. But we love y'all to death. And we love this place. We love Calvary Chapel to death. So it's not like we're just looking for a reason to leave. But just after what we did this past week in the fasting, we are out to be servants for God. And we are out to be where God wants us to be and doing what God wants us to be doing. And if it means God wants us to move to Guernsey, Wyoming, population 1144, <laughs> I'll have to find some new Steeler fans, I guess. But if that's where God wants us, then that's where we want to be. And that's where we know we need to be. So we're just asking you right now to this next month or so to be lifting us up in prayer daily, please. And we appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, hey, Ken, would you mind if we just uh, prayed for you right right now, too, you and Paula? And in our uh, in our home group, we uh, we we like to. Uh, this may, it's, we call it the hot seat, but it's not really. We, we, uh, we like to, uh, to take a time when, when somebody's got a, a need that's really on their, on their heart. And this is family. This, we are family. Look, when we look around and I look at each one of you, that's, that's, that's how, that's how I see each and every one of you. And that's how we see each other. And, uh, just so appreciative for, for Ken to come and, and ask us for, for prayer as a family to be praying with them through this time of, uh, of obvious, uh, you know, needing to make a decision. So, Paul, if you wouldn't mind coming up and just a, uh, a, a few families that would want to come up and surround uh, Ken and Paul, and let's uh, let's pray for them tonight. Uh, but let's let's cover them in prayer. All right. Well, yeah. I, uh, what a what a great way to. We've had an opportunity to to hear Jesse and Leandra's testimony and to pray.